be with the coach. Day twenty radio, your gamers' roll. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Transmissions from the Ninth World. Sorry we have been gone for a while, but we are back. And with me as always, my good friend Eric Coates. Howdy. And my other good friend, Jim Ryan. Hello. And uh, we're really happy to be back. We, we had a fantastic last uh, episode that was record-setting for, for downloads for us with the, the long interview with Colin McComb uh, on the eve of the uh, Torment Numenera Kickstarter completion. Um, not literally the eve, but, you know, a week before. Awesome. Uh, I wish I could have been there for that one. I would totally have geeked out about Gene Wolfe with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot you, were, you weren't there. Sorry. You missed your uh, calling. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I had the sickness. Yes. Um, so so we, we've had a lot of time to you know, um, come up there. And, and actually, we were trying to work up some other interviews, and, and the timing hasn't been right yet. But we've got some in the, the, the kicker. I, I don't want to give them away, but we've got some key people involved with Numenera in, lined up. Um. But let's go ahead and get into uh, Numenera news. So, do 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 do. See, yep. there's. Yep, it never uh, works. Every yeah, time. we 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 need <laughs> to get something. We always talk about we need to get something there. All right. So, Numenera in the news. Um, uh, lots of ha- lots has been going on since we were last in. Um, the latest news and, and probably pretty important news to the whole process. Uh, Monty has announced that uh, Charles Ryan, a, a former brand manager for D and D. Um, has been hired as the COO of um, Monty Cook Games. That's the chief operating officer for those not in the corporate world speak, um, which is great news for for Monty and Shanna and all them that that they get to concentrate more on the creative side of Numenera and producing Yay! the, the great works. Yes, <laughs> and and oh, yeah. Charles will be handling the logistics and the marketing and all the the good meaty stuff to to make Numenera you know deliver Numenera better for for the the. For the so, fans, and so he's uh, the I think whip it's news. So again, <laughs> he's the whip cracker. Yeah, yeah, the whip cracker. So yeah, he's, fan- he's been working on lots of projects from the beginning. I, it's, I, I remember hearing his name back in the '90s when he was working on Deadlands. Right. So he's he's done lots of stuff. Yep, and I think he had his own company, Chameleon something or other. I missed, I missed uh, copying down that as a note. I apologize for Charles for that, but um, uh, Monty speaks highly. They had um, good relations for a long time, so. Um, whenever you have somebody on the team, I think Shanna put it very well that with Monty Cook that they only want to have people involved who are uh, passionate and, you know, give a damn. Um, so that's that's awesome news for them. Um, and I have had brief conver- email conversations with Charles, but um, uh, the other kind of news is uh, uh, Numenera at Gen Con. Um, lots of plans happening there, and, and now I can speak about them. Um uh, with Yay. involvement of this uh, podcast <laughs> and with the uh, the website ninthworldhub.com, there's one drink. Um, then uh, they, I'm going to be helping the team out in the booth 
Um, uh, Monty Cook Games is sharing a booth with, um, I believe it's one one bookshelf, one bookshelf, I think. Hmm. Um, okay. So uh, so now we'll take up that much space then. Yeah, yeah. yeah only one bookshelf. <laughs> so the <laughs> and uh, drumville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, wow. it's, uh, it's, it'll be a big group of us now. So uh, Charles Ryan, um, Monty Cook, of course, Shanna Germain. Uh, myself and I'm sure that the other contributors, maybe artists and stuff, maybe passing through as well. Um, we, they've announced the official uh, games that'll be played there. Uh, I myself will be one of the GMs, as, as well as a, a few um, friends and, and uh, Ninth World Hubbers, Ninth World Hubbers, Ninth Worlders, yeah, Ninth Worlders will be going. Um, and it'll be a tournament style, which I'm not sure how what's going to qualify someone to go to the next level. But I think there's now two levels, um, and the final game will be led by Monty Cook himself. So that will be uh, quite fun. Uh, there's also a Numenera launch, uh, I guess, seminar that talks about Numenera for those un- uninvolved and maybe reveal some news about stuff coming. Uh, some of the, the the new books coming. Um, then there'll be an, uh, they're doing another session, uh, Monty and uh, Shanna, and I, I don't remember the exact title, but it's it's regarding uh, successful Kickstarters. Um, so that that should definitely be one to see. Cool, cool. Uh, Numenera Thunderstone will be um, playing some games. Oh, so if nice. you're interested in the expansion to Thunderstone, they'll have some games set up there. I want to say there's up to like four different sessions, some breakfast ones and some later ones. Um, they may be booked by now, of course. A lot of these may be booked by now. But And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not necessarily just an expansion. It's a standalone, isn't it? I think it is. I think you're right. I think they're referring to it as an expansion, but I believe you, yeah. you can play it out of the box alone. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll have to talk to, um, to AEG, maybe get somebody on here and talk about that at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then, uh, the big, uh, wrap up Saturday night at 10 PM, uh, in, in Indianapolis, um, we will be having the ninth world presents the Numenera fan hangout and, uh, Monty Cook, Shanna Germain and some others will be in attendance. So, um, it is a cool way to, uh, after the con to come hang out. It's at a place called Ike and Jonesy's. I don't know Indianapolis, but I've heard good things about the place and it's only a couple blocks from the, the convention center. So I have booked the location, and um, that's happening. So uh, a lot of good stuff going on at Gen Con. Yeah, it should definitely be a good time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very thrilled to be part of it and and, uh, very honored to, you know, uh, have Monty include me in helping out at the booth and and helping spread the word about Numenera because obviously I'm passionate about it. Uh, I'm sure I speak for Jim and myself, of course, because I'm speaking. Mm But uh, we totally wish we could be there. Yes, yes. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> oh, yeah. we can't. We would love to be assisting Monty in any way we can Absolutely. for all of this stuff. But uh, unfortunately, life yes. life happens. And uh, yep. what can I say? Life yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah, the timing was just really good for me to go this year. So um, yeah. yes, I am. I am fortunate. I, I do feel I am definitely representing for sure this podcast and and of course the the website. So. Um, I'm going in your stead. I will. I will come back with much happiness, and and uh, um, I'll represent us well. I promise. Yeah, for me, it pretty much comes down to get car repaired, go to Gen Con. Yeah, hmm. yeah right, right. Which one of those two do I get to pick? Well, I'm, I'm sure it was actually probably a difficult decision. <laughs> uh, but probably more difficult than I'd be willing to admit. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
Well, yes, yes. Well, the crazy news is, is well, I'm not going to get into it on this podcast, but I, I'm going to be able to write a lot of this off, hopefully. So be that as it may, going forward. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that's news. We'll talk about the Torment uh, Numenera Kickstarter, how it ended up in our Kicking It Forward section, uh, which is at the end. It's kind of funny. It's called Kicking It Forward, but it's at the end. But regardless. The irony of it all. Um, we are oh. creeping closer and closer to the release date. Which is fantastic. Um, the core rulebook uh, apparently is going to press next week, Yay. so fingers crossed we may see the PDF sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know how what to, what the timing is for those who pre-ordered it. If uh, the kick the PDF goes out significantly earlier, or if it'll come closer to the actual release date. But I can't, um, I can't wait to get the PDF to actually start reading some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, they've shown some snippets, and it looks oh, like yeah. they're following a lot of the style of um, uh, Monty's Tallest book, which that is the correct pronunciation, Tallest. <laughs> um, that's P-T-O-L-S-O-L-U-S, for those who didn't already know, um, which I have since gone back and gotten and, and read on, and oh my goodness, that's a fantastic book. Yeah. Um, I almost want to run a campaign in it just just because, but the the de- the attention to detail that that Monty and, and definitely his editor Shana have put into this book, and you have um, margin callouts to things that are mentioned. So if something's mentioned in context of what what would be considered fluff to, for a lot of people, there'll be a tag on the end with the the page number for the the full detailed definition or uh, even stat block for the different uh, stuff. So. Very cool. Nice. Uh, yeah, and very very cleanly laid out. Looks really nice. Yeah. From what I've seen, it looks like it's going to be a really nice book. Yeah. yeah. Thrilled, thrilled, Just thrilled. Just want to get it. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so, that, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a, a great uh, run-up to the release now. Um, hopefully we'll get a few more podcasts in before then and, and – try and cover more of these areas to share people. Cause that's one of the things I get asked questions about a lot being on ninth world hub, talking about it in Twitter is, you know, how's the game play and all that type of thing. And, and luckily today's uh, podcast is going to specifically talk about exactly what is it like to play Numenera? What is the, the real meat of, of how it feels and, and what's the mechanic behind it. So we'll, we'll get into that juicy stuff. Any, anybody have anything else on Numenera in the news before we move into that? Not I. That's about all I can think of. Sure, sure. So it's been a very busy time. They've got a lot of good stuff coming out. So, um, but let's, uh, let's get into this discussion, the how to play section. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, a few of the, what we, what we've been doing as we've been going along. We look at some of the early, um, blog post from Monty describing Numenera, and then we kind of disseminate it and go a little further. Um, now that we're getting closer to core book, we can talk a little freer and, and get into uh, the meat and bones a little bit better. And this is a great timing, I think, to talk about this uh, particular subject. So the the particular ones we're, we're looking at, if anybody wants to pull them up and, and read up along them as we're talking about them, are um, there's one actions in Numenera another dice in Numenera, and finally NPCs in Numenera. So, you can read along on your iPad. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some people might. Follow you hear the bouncing ball. Times, turn the page. <laughs> uh, when you hear the fairy dust. No, um, 
All right. So let's get into the first one. Actions in Numenera. Um, so what's really, I think, a, apart from this fantastical setting that Monty's come up with, what's really great about the game is how it plays. Um, one of the major things is it's a very GM light game. Uh, what is specifically required is it's pretty open-ended and you guys, you guys have played it so you can, you know, share your, your feedback on this, but basically a, a player says, Hey, this is what I want my character to do. And the GM's job is largely across the board to say how difficult that is to do. Yeah. It might be fairly easy. It, he might not even have to roll on it. It might be impossible. The GM's job is to say, give it a numerical difficulty level. Um, and that informs the player of, of how much how much they want to do. We talked about effort last time. It's It gives them the opportunity, or sorry, two times ago. Yeah, uh, in one of our prior episodes. Yeah, in one of our prior episodes. Uh <laughs> It gives them the opportunity to uh, know if they need to, as I like to say, and using a little effort, put a little stank on it. You know, they want to really give it a little extra umph. No one's going to re- reply to the stank comment, really. Well, we. Try I'm to just hit. trying we- to hope that uh, <laughs> that the listeners forget it. Yeah, we try to stay away from your stank. <laughs> That's just yeah, you know, just par for course. I have the hopes that that uh, <laughs> those who have been uh, already at this point uh, terrorized uh, will uh, now be curled up in their corner with their iPods, hoping. No, wait a minute. This is the uh, the 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 2010s. We don't have iPods anymore. Yes. Um, curled up with whatever listening device that they're using and uh, and weeping. What weeping multi-touch solemnly. device that they have? Can you show us? Where on the where on the smartphone David Brown touched you? <laughs> I think I think I think um, like speaking of the actions and stuff, I think it, how it handles it is pretty. I think the way that the mechanic drives that helps out because of the fact of how like you're talking about how people can decide how much effort they want to put into it. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a nice way to really present. The and, I, and I'm trying not I'm trying hard not to get into the next topic, which is the dice. Yeah. <laughs> but really, yeah. it kind of plays into that. The yeah, fact I, I that totally you're, it, you're rolling the d20, and, and the d20 is basically all you really need for this game, for the most part. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I think yeah. that that's that's what you're going to be rolling. And um, the fact that you can look at your stats and know that those stats are your pools and mm-hmm. And you can apply the effort to to kind of like give yourself an edge. And that's my huge problem. And as we've spoken to many, many times on this podcast, how I cannot roll above a seven. A seven is my target number. That's pretty, like, pretty true. Seven pretty is my true. life. <laughs> if yeah. I can't roll high. <laughs> the if, only if, time if, he rolls high <laughs> is if it's a game that requires you to roll low. Yeah. It's, Regardless. Much it goes it's, both ways. Yes. Yes. And. Uh, I, I agree that basically uh, I uh, in the, the time that I got to play, I pretty much was trying to do all manner of crazy things and uh, I was able to do them. And uh, that that pleased me to no end that to me, it really makes it a storytelling game. And it's very much a what's the word I'm looking for? It's a collaborative game and the, the experience between the player and the GM, because the GM has to you know, you're going to have to kind of it's almost like 
I don't want to say picking your battles, but you have to kind of choose and be fairly consistent with the level of of, of difficulty that you you go with. If if one person does something once and you get label of a difficulty of this certain level, if someone attempts the same thing later on, you you got to be kind of close to it unless there's environmental issues that are dramatically different. Um, and, and you know, and he even talks about in this article, it's not really a wrong answer if you're off by a level. Um, you know, maybe that there is an environmental factor that adds in or, you know, you can explain away just about anything as a GM. Um, not that you should get in the habit of doing that too much. <laughs> players tend to not trust you. But um, it's definitely it's it's a, a it's a learning curve. Um, and, you know, at, at the lower levels, it's it's matched very well as you get in and you play um, one of the play tests type things that, that that we were were asked to do is actually play almost the exact same scenario with everybody at their characters at first tier and then at second tier and then at third tier and the exact same scenario all the way through sixth tier sixth tier which is the the top level and it really gives you a clue of how everything goes up to that same it, it really functions well uh you can see Oh yeah, in the first one we died in two minutes flat. You know, as you get deeper and deeper, okay, we held our own for a while. You know, uh, it's definitely a interesting game system. Um, so yeah, I, I but, kind of think that I would uh, I, I would almost put it as uh, just just my, from my experience playing, it was kind of like half a half breed between uh, traditional games and indie games. Yeah. I feel that too. Yeah. I think, I think he's bringing, bringing the big guns with the concepts and the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, 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 the gameplay, the storytelling gameplay, but, but tying it into a very accessible format. Yeah. Does that repeat or, or kind of agree with what you just said? Yeah. I mean, I think he's definitely trying to bring, more uh, storytelling into the mechanics mm-hmm. um, than are present in traditional games, though it's not quite to the extent that it happens in indie games. So I think it's right sort of in the middle there. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so he specifically talks about the difficulty levels. There's 10 difficulty levels. Um, basically, the target number associated is is three times the number. So if it's difficulty one... Actually, there is a difficulty zero. You don't have to roll at all. It's a mundane task. Um, you have no chance of failure. Um, then you get up to one. I can fail it. Y- yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, most of us have no chance of failure. <laughs> um, level one, your target's a three. So you're rolling a D20. Generally not modified. But you can reduce the target. That's what applying effort does, which we talked about last time. Uh, you know, if, if your target number is the difficulty level, say a a four, which four times three is only a 12, but you know, for Eric, that'd be tough. Yeah. Um, I I, I have to, I have to buy those down, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. He used, he would expend effort, effort, drop it one level to uh, target a difficulty three with a target of nine. And he has an outside chance of hitting that. that that's, that's where it's good to know my personal target number. Because <laughs> I know how much effort I've got to apply to buy it down to my level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So, and, and obviously, um, just so people don't get the impression that they, that they can apply multiple efforts to buy things down. You can at higher levels, but at lower level, you only have the ability to buy, do effort once per turn. Yeah. So, um, you do have to be spendthrift with that. Um, and then, you know, he talks about the upper level, you know, targets three to six are, are pretty, pretty okay. Um, even at a six, you have still have a one in four chance to fail. But then you get into the upper levels of difficulty, a seven, eight, nine, or ten are, are all but impossible since the target numbers would be 21 or higher. Right? But, you know, as you get going, that you can you can still lower that F, that uh, target number. You know, if you're trained in something, that could potentially lower things too. You have a better and better chance to do stuff. Um, but yeah, there are some stuff that's like, yeah, that's, that's a 10. That's going to be pretty tough to do. Yeah. Buying it down. <laughs> I don't think though that anybody's really challenged me with something that really would require a nine or a 10. Most of the things that people have asked have been fairly, fairly accessible. You know, the high highest... totally gonzo with you yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's I think true. also what, what plays to it as well is that you're kind of free in this system to, and not that you aren't in others, but this one, it just seems a little bit easier to, if someone really describes how their character is doing something, then you can actually visualize kind of how it would make it a little bit easier because they're doing all these intricate things. Absolutely. So that that level might actually, you know, kind of be adjusted based off of the descriptions that people are giving you and the actual role-playing that they're doing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it definitely makes a difference. Um, and, and I've seen this in other games where, 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 you know, people get pluses or whatever's depending on how they, how detailed they are in explaining what they do. And, and sometimes it's a house rule. Sometimes it's built into the system. Yeah. This system, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's kind of a negotiation is really what it comes down to. Yeah. You know, the player, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I think I'm going to be able to accomplish it. You know, I'm trained in this and da, 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 da. Then a GM says, okay, yeah, I think this is difficulty so-and-so. And, you know, you apply your training and you can choose to spend some effort, which, you know, that was actually a debate when we first started this was, well, do you, are you supposed to tell the player what the difficulty level is? And from everything that everybody's really talked about, yeah, that's, that's what's, that's right. You know, you need to give them a, let them know what the target kind of is. Cause you know, you think in some other D and D types games and, uh, other games like that, you don't necessarily know what the the target's AC is or what their hit points are. Yeah. Um, when you know the difficulty, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean you, I, you know your chance of success and failure, you, kind of exactly, exactly. <laughs> which is good, right? And I think in this game, you might have a little less of that. You know, oh well, we're going up against something that's a nine. Oh, we can take it. You know, we can tough it out. Yeah. And how many times you see that in D and D where people don't know? Hey, it's really time we probably retreat. Yeah. What people do that in D and D? Yeah, I think it's nice. It's nice to actually have up front that hey, the 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 person running the game is supposed to let you know exactly what the target number is mm-hmm. because that's that's of vital importance because that's how you're actually playing the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even if you think about it from a, a, a character's context, you know, if I'm up against something and oh my god, this thing's this thing's tough. This one, you know, one guy swung at it and. It, barely punctured its skin, you know, well, I better give it some umph. You know, yeah. I, I need to put more into it if I have any chance of beating this thing. Yeah. So, um, 
Interesting for sure. So you mentioned the dice. Let's let's talk about the dice. You know, Monty talks about you know he went back to the 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 true friend, the the old friend, I believe he said it, a D twenty, um, which I know we've played in some other games that aren't D twenty centric, and you there definitely are um, better bell curves when you have multiple dice in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm definitely one that's all for games that where you're throwing a handful of dice or throw, throwing more than just a d20. D20 is not my friend, yeah. but in, in this yeah. particular game, I, I I like it. I mean, I, I do not mind that this is a d20 type game. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I was just gonna say because I know that I have control. You know, I mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. I have at least a little bit of control of what mm-hmm. is exactly going to happen. So I don't feel as bad when when I fail something in. This game, well, if I've spent effort, then yeah, I still feel a little bit bad. But yeah. I don't feel as bad using the D20 in, in this particular game because of the fact that I do have that that real control over it. Sure. And I think what you find in the make of the characters is you know better what you can accomplish. That, yeah. you know, knowing what you're trained in, knowing, you know, what you can, what you can do, you have a, a, a good likelihood. And, and I also think that it makes it, Yes, you can apply effort, and, and yes, you, you can be trained in certain things, but there's also more of a, hey, we're all pretty much the same at the table. Yeah. You know, that you're not really getting into situations where, oh, well, this is, we better just step back and let the magic user handle this one. There's not really ever a situation in this where that's the case. You know, in, in maybe small incidences of, well, this guy's got the intelligence, maybe he's the one who should talk to the machine. Yeah, it's... It, seems like there's a there's a balance between right. all of the characters kind of innately in the system and mm-hmm. i think you know that's just that's more than just the dice but that mm-hmm. um probably one of the things that really helps it out is as we've spoken to that you know you have the ability to modify your your target absolutely yeah and and one of the things that you know he talks about in here is that or or i'm sorry one of the things that's been talked about by others is, you know, Monty's got some other things, you know, in a typical D20 games, one is really bad. 20 is really good. That's pretty much it. You know, everything else is just hitting the target. Yeah. He's got a little extra um, stuff at the top of the die. And, you know, some people have kind of said, well, is he kind of nerfing a D20, you know, roll by, by having lessening the effect of that hitting that awesome 20. No. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so at all. And 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 other games, a lot of times you don't see that until you're higher levels. And I think right. it's, it's it's nice to see it kind of like off the bat, basically yeah. in this game. Hey, you know, seventeen, uh, seventeen or eighteen, that's really good. Nineteen, twenty, that's damn good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, he's he's just uh, by by doing that, he's putting in greater definition right. to what a role means. And I think right. it's very cool that uh, as he says here, a quarter of the time. Uh, something something extra happens, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, so I think that's very cool. Absolutely, unless you're me. <laughs> unless you're unless you're, unless you're Eric. Now, you know, <laughs> let's talk about this. So, um, on a roll of a seventeen or an eighteen, you get what's called a minor effect. And to put it in terms that the people that haven't played this, you know, you have options here. You know, seventeen or eighteen could be a little extra damage if you're in combat, or and and you got to remember this mechanic is being used not just for combat it's the it's also the same thing that you use for any kind of a skill or any kind of uh any anything that that needs to be rolled on um any d20 roll yes 
So uh, 17 or 18 in, in say, a, a challenge, a minor effect, there's actually built into the rules suggestions of what a minor effect could be for using this particular ability, um, which is nice. Yeah, but you don't have to use those. They're just they're there as suggestions. Um, yeah, it's flavor. Yeah, it, it totally flavor does. flavor to things. It totally does. And, and it rewards you for getting rolling high. You know, you don't have to hit right on that 20 to yeah. really, really make it count. Oh yeah. It drives me nuts when it's only 20, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't roll twenties often. And when right. I do, it's really nice, but yeah. it, it's yeah. nice to see that you get something on more than just that, you know, one in 20 chance. <laughs> I don't roll twenties very often, but when I do, I do it in Numenera. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I don't. I don't think I've uh, actually rolled a 20 yeah. <laughs> in Numenera games. <laughs> So, you know, and what they're describing in that as a minor action that, you know, maybe you jump, when you jump, you land with a florist or, you know, or also you knock over the burning brazier onto the curtain to start a fire. You know, you may have the ability to, you know, do something more than just what you were accomplishing um, because you rolled well. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that luck luck favored the bold, you know. Um, 19 or 20, you get a major effect. Um, this takes it up a notch. Um, you know, in... in his example here is not only you, do you kick in the door, but you momentarily intimidate all the foes on the other side. You know, hey, whoa, door just exploded. What yeah, the, the heck? The door just exploded in front of us. What the hell just yeah, happened? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it's my little dinky guy standing on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, in, in combat. They're just sort of stunned. They're like, how did he do that? <laughs> oh, my God. In, in combat, that this could also be, you know, even more damage. Um uh, definitely nice when, when you hit a 20 in combat, man, it, it stings and it's kind of like a critical hit, but it's a specific amount. Um, and that's the other thing. You're not rolling for damage in this. Uh, the damage is set by the, the, the level of weapon you're using. So getting that extra hit, you know, extra, you know, points of damage from either from a 17 on up, you know, makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, of course, there is a chance of failure. The other part of the 25%. Um, yay! Something yay me. <laughs> now, fortunately, Welcome unlike... To Eric's corner. <laughs> yeah. Unlike the top of the dial, or the top of the die, there is um, not as many uh, different options here. You, you just have the one. Um, and on a one, one triggers a GM intrusion. And I don't remember if we've talked about GM intrusions in, in previous episodes. Um, but they're a fun little tool. Uh, GM intrusion is not necessarily a fumble, um, but it basically means that the NPC, the target, whatever, is particularly lucky. Um, something has kind of gone in their favor. Now, GM intrusion is a is a the one other tool of the GM aside from the difficulty levels in Numenera where basically you have the ability to kind of not really alter the storyline, but maybe put a, add a little conflict in here if things are getting dull, or maybe push people in a direction that may you know help them get further in the game without railroading. It's a really nice little tool. You know the thing that I like about that mm -hmm. is that it's not the, the way that, say, something like a critical failure would be mm -hmm. in other systems. Right um, or a botch. It's not that the the, the hero doesn't necessarily screw up. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually 
just a way of saying that something else happens in the story to make things more complicated. And I'm all for that. I think that's great. Right. It's reflective of the environment. It's a reflective of the actual people that they're doing. Um, and, and basically one triggers a GM intrusion, rolling a one triggers a GM intrusion, um, just flat out. It just, something happens. The GM tells you, unfortunately, this is what's happened. Um, and you make do with it and, you know, it, it adds the, the conflict of the, the game and it gives you, uh, feedback and, and specific causality. Is that right? Or effect? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> no, no, I believe you used the word causality correctly. Wow. Congratulations. You win the grammar prize. All right. Yes. <laughs> the, the Jim Ryan, uh, annual. Grammar class? Yes, that's yes. correct. Yes. No one's getting one for another 365 days. That's the last one I'm handing out. Good job. I, I'm, I'm proud. I'd like to thank my uh, mom and dad. And, no, I'm just kidding. Um, and my English teacher. No, um, and you're going to Disney World. <laughs> right, right. Um, and telling them how to spell their signs properly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and and what's cool is the GM intrusion is not just triggered by a one. Um, and, and it really is not in this specific article, but it's a very interesting topic. I don't, I really don't think we've covered uh, a GM intrusion. As I said, as a way of a GM to kind of potentially add conflict when, when he or she feels the need to um, it's not random and it's not um, arbitrary. What's nice is if you haven't rolled a one, the GM's, says to you, okay, this is what I would like to have happen right now to your character. You have a choice. You can pay me one XP and we'll pretend it never happened. Or you can accept it because I may need this for the story to move forward. But you get awarded not one, but two XP. One for yourself and one to gift to another player. It's a great system. Yeah, I, th I think this is something we're actually seeing a lot more in games with like fate and stuff and such that uh, it's it's something that I think a lot of players aren't used to yet. But I mm -hmm. think that it's something that is really nice. Mm -hmm. The fact that something bad happens drives a story and, and makes a story more interesting. If everything in a story just went your way the whole time, what fun is that? I mean, really. Yeah, it'd be pretty boring. And, so. you know, me failing all the time, I know all about <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> You've had to talk your way out of some interesting yes. details. But, um, I mean, really, I, I think that's really kind of a nice thing. And that people, once you get used to it, and once you really understand and and kind of like learn that, hey, with problems comes overcoming those problems, and overcoming those problems is the fun. I mean, that's why we read books about adventures and stuff like that. If if there's no problem or nothing presented to the protagonist, uh, then why would you even read the story? <laughs> there's no reason to read a story that, oh, everything's yeah. nice and happy, la-di-da. Yeah. yeah that, that does not sell books. No. Yes. No, I'm it sure, doesn't. Sure, Jim, as a writer, can talk to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any story. You got to have conflict. You got to have something to overcome. And I think, you know, by having a mechanism to actually, like, buy into it and, and present an award for it, too. I mm -hmm. mean, like, like, in that instance, you're giving someone experience for allowing the story to have another high point, have another something more to, to overcome and, and be fun. And, and, and what nice. I love about it is the fact that not only are you granting that player the, the, the XP, because really what you're saying is 
your character is experiencing this. You're yes. gaining experience from this happening to you. Yeah. So it's very logical. Yeah. But the idea of granting another one to gift to another player builds camaraderie because it's I've seen it in used at the table where somebody has said, oh, well, this is a great, you know, you really did this cool thing that got us here. You deserve an extra XP for that. Yeah, I think that's a neat mechanic yeah. too, allowing the players to disseminate their uh, a, a point of XP to other players and stuff. Absolutely, yeah, and just overall mm-hmm. gives the players more buy-in to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And and this is a fairly XP stingy game. Um, not that leveling up is a huge push in this game. You know, we've talked before. Exploration is the the goal of this game, and that's what you tend to get awarded XP for. Um, and it comes gradually. And and of course, XP is a currency in this game, which we've talked about before. So, you know, it's nice to get a little extra XP here and there. Um, it's really it's it's a nice system, nice system. Um, so, uh, anybody have any other thoughts on the dice rolling on that? We did kind of get on that tangent of the GM intrusion, but I think it's a. <laughs> Do we want we just... to talk about the other dice? Oh yes, yeah, that's a good point. The other. Dice. Yes. <laughs> Not that they're in there a lot, but yes. Go ahead. Do you want me to start? Oh uh, well, no. It just basically, I was looking this over. Is that you basically have a d6 and then you have a two d10 or right. percentile, percentile dice, right? Yes, that is true. Um, there are other other times that you need them. <coughs> pardon me. Um, I do find that a lot of those take <coughs> take. <coughs> pardon me. Don't All die. Good. <laughs> yeah, they usually take place uh, during character setup. There are some tables and stuff that can be used to roll dice against to make random choices. Um, I'm trying to think during the uh, the game. I've not really encountered using other dice. Uh, in fact, the GM hardly ever rolls dice, which is a very different, yeah. you know, uh, scenario for me in game playing. <laughs> I, I think um, I think it's a pretty cool thing. It, it frees the GM to not worry about. Oh, what's this stat for this character here? And you know what what attack should this person be doing? Yeah. Um, it frees them up to be a storyteller. And that's also something else that you're seeing a lot in some of the newer games that are out. Like uh, Lady Blackbird, in particular, mm-hmm. um, is one that I can think of. Um, Inspectors is another one mm-hmm. uh, where they just the players do all the rolling, mm-hmm. pretty much. Dungeon and, World. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, Dungeon World. Yes, <laughs> I have been reading through Dungeon World and. There's uh, there's quite a lot. There are points in there where you have the option to roll right. or not yeah. in Dungeon World, but it's uh, yeah, it's the, any of the uh, Apocalypse Engine mm-hmm. games are going to mm-hmm. be very player rolling heavy, tremulous, and uh, so yeah, so it's uh, like tremulous or Monster Hearts or what mm-hmm. have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the in this game, um, also in Numenera, you have the dice that occasionally the the GM does use. For example, on the GM tables, the two D ten. Sure. Um, and, but you, you can just pick something that's appropriate for the story too. So right. it, uh, it's not really as though you heavily need them. It's uh, yeah. just something that's there if you want to use them. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it really makes a difference that, you know, and as he talks about, you know, GMs don't roll for the NPCs, which, you know, I think in many ways reminds me a bit of some of the old days of D and D where there was a lot of saving throw roles that, you know, yeah, this thing may have hit you, but you may lessen it or even get out of it depending on how you react. So really what it's just taking out is, you know what, this this monster is a badass. You know, he's a, a level five 
you know, he's got a target number of 15. He's pretty tough. You um, have a chance to save your own skin. That's what you're rolling for. You know, yeah. it, it connecting with you is not really that that unlikely, you know? <laughs> well, and I think people, uh, the game designers in particular, kind of figured out um, uh, within the last few years that uh, the the fun of die rolling is really best in the players' hands. Yeah, <laughs> players um, enjoy rolling the dice more than the GM. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's so it's give really them a all thing. Of it. <laughs> well, it's really a thing where the uh, the 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 player, if the player gets to roll the die, then they feel as though it, it's up to them. Right. They feel uh, like their completely. own fate is in their own yeah. hands. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree with that. Yes. And that's 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 something that's <laughs> is very valuable to have in a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, so we're done. No, um, just kidding. Uh, so yeah, thank you for for pointing out those other die. And and honestly, you know, and as much as I've played, I, I've hardly ever had to to do that. And of course, we you know, in some of the playtest materials, and and that is a reminder. You know, what we're talking about is our experience with playtest, the specific information that Monty gave in these articles. That some of them are, you know, many many months old. Um, the what may be in the the final stuff may change. I don't think any of these core concepts we're talking about will, but maybe some specifics. Um, and and you know specifically what I'm mentioning is I've not seen tables specifically that that utilize the the D twenty or the D two uh, D ten very often. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's mostly just generating things. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like the old school. What, what was that book that you love, Eric? That had like tables for everything. Oh, there's a couple of them. <laughs> was it was it one of the old GM's guide or something like that? There was one that you yeah. Used, there's you there's, a, there's an old GM's guide, the uh, like the first edition GM's guide in mm-hmm. the very back. They have mm-hmm. like tables for like almost random for everything. Like, yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was just really really nice. I mean, I I like that kind of stuff. I think you know I, I was thinking about that the other day. I don't feel like a lot of games really pay a lot of attention to environmental conditions being a factor. Um, and, and I think that's something with using Numenera and understanding more of what Monty uh, plans or or, ha- or feels like uh, the environmental conditions could be in different areas. I'd like to use that more because now in a, in a difficulty level, you can say, you know, you can bump it up a notch because yeah, it's pouring rain and, you you know, you can barely see things or, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Torchbearer. That's that's a new game that'll be coming out eventually. <laughs> they they focus oh, yeah. a lot on the environment or, or well, inclusion for it. They, they focus a lot on like uh, conditions and stuff like yeah. that. It's uh, yeah. it's very more centric on like uh, I mean like a lot of times nowadays we we do away with like does a person actually have a torch lit or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Right. Well, in, in this game, they, they it's decided important. it's it's an important thing. And it's there <laughs> yeah. to cause tension. Yep. Uh, I digress. Yeah. Sweat well, no, the small stuff. Yes. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, unfortunately, and we'll talk about it in kicking it forward, I'm sure. You guys talked me into it, and I went and I'd missed it by like a day. <laughs> oh! Nonetheless, moving on. Um, so, NPCs. Um, we've talked about that, you know, GMs don't roll for the NPCs. Uh, the NPCs are, they are what they are. They've got a specific rating that aligns to the difficulty level. Um, and it's going to be pretty consistent. So if you find a town guard in one town, it's going to be pretty 
equivalent with a town guard in another another town unless he happens to be a town card town guard hulk or you know something different um than a a guy with a spear you know um so guard smash yeah right <laughs> town guard smash. Okay. Good. Good you wouldn't like it when he's angry yeah yeah <laughs> Truth is, I'm always angry. All right, so um, <laughs> my secret is I'm always drunk. Yes, no. yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's pretty cool. Is that the NPCs? You know, when you're rolling against them in pretty much any regard, you're rolling against them based on their their rating, their their difficulty level. So that could be any anything in a way of, you know talking them down and, and negotiating. It could be, uh, I don't know. Give me some, some scenarios guys. Help me here. <laughs> oh crickets, gosh. Crickets, crickets on the spot okay. type stuff. You know, we yeah. can't think. <laughs> I know. Jim's the one. Well, let's guy. say if there's a, well, let's say if there's an ancient tomb you're trying to get into and a door has a particular rating, for example, See, this uh, is why he's a writer. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a uh, <laughs> there, there there's say it's it's, it's like uh, what uh, a a level three door, um, and so your target number for that would be what nine. Yep. Yes. Um. So that's uh. So that so that's uh, a fairly easy thing to get through. But then let's say if you're trying to get into a vault, mm-hmm. um, so that'd probably be more heavily protected and maybe sure. would have a higher ra- uh, higher rating. So of like what uh, say. Uh, seven, six or seven, and so then you'd uh, you'd get into you know you'd have to get numbers in excess. Actually, you have to get numbers in excess of twenty at that point. So that'd be yes. particularly difficult. Yes, <laughs> but say you get a bonus if you have the combination. Yes. Uh, so so there you go. And and logic dictates that okay, if you're talking about the difficulty level of a door, you're not going to be able to bluff the door. Um, it's going to be a little harder. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't listen too well. Unless it's, unless the door has an AI in it, in which case you might be able to. I have talked the the pants off a mannequin once before, but that was in a movie <laughs> back in the eighties. But um, and actually, if you have the combination for a vault, you can get in anyway. But I digress. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> about that. Um, say if there's a guard, then you want to talk to that. Uh, then that you need to get past. That's always the classic example, right? Yes. Yes. So. So what you know with NPCs, they have the rating, which aligns to the difficulty level, and that means that's the difficulty level you have to do to dodge them, and that's the difficulty level you have to hit them. Um, they have various differences. Uh, you might be able to hit them as easy as another difficulty level five creature, but maybe they have thicker armor, or maybe they regenerate, or maybe they have differences but you still only have to worry about one target number, which is nice. Oh yeah. I think it makes it also easy for you to come up with things on the fly because you're not having to think of a million different things uh, to try to stat something out. You're not having to go, Oh, what's its strength? What's its, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. You're just having to like, okay, how difficult is, should this guy be? (laughs) That's going to make it so simple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, really going to enjoy that. <laughs> right. And and that's exactly it. It it's intended to take the mechanics heaviness out of the game and put the storytelling at the forefront. So, um 
I like that he's got kind of right here a level three guard, which is a nine difficulty, um, can easily be tricked. So like you have a you have a town guard that maybe like he says is gullible. That means that that bumps the difficulty level down. So right. it's 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 a six for if you're uh, tricking him. So it's not like you're having to like stat out the guard and give mm-hmm. him a strength and dexterity and constitution and this and that like like a typical D twenty type scenario. You're basically just going okay. So this guy in general, he he's he's nine. He's a nine tough. Mm-hmm. But there's these little things which he's not so good at that you know if if, if the players go at it in this direction, mm-hmm. then it's then it's easier, right? And and here's what's re- really important about this too. Yes, combat is going to be a, a a part of the game, but it's not the central part. And by giving this rating that covers the whole of the verses with this uh, person or creature. What it does is it frees you that you don't have to kill it to yeah. quote unquote defeat it or or further the story. And because a key thing to remember is you're not getting XP based on killing something. Right. You you may not even get XP based on the interaction at all unless it leads to a discovery, unless it helps you further your story. So it, it really takes that well, kind of low on XP and, you know, kind of really need to get through this door. Probably be better just to kill this town guard. It doesn't make sense in a storytelling context unless you're just a pure evil jerk, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah I like absolutely. that. It's just unfortunate that most players are used to just, I'm just going to kill everything. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But hopefully, you know, with this type of a game, they'll they'll actually start to learn yeah. that there are other alternatives. Absolutely. And I mean, the way that it's set up, I think, encourages... Um, yeah, more, oh, I do too. ...kind of more realistic behavior with mm-hmm. respect to things like that. Yeah. And I like it too. I mean, one of the comments, and I, we talk about this all the time, my wife and I, you know, she's got a theater background. She gets the interactivity of role-playing and, and understands why I enjoy it from that level. But being that a large majority of the ones that I own play or dominate the market are very hack and slash ish. She doesn't understand why a very pacifistic guy as myself enjoys them. Mm-hmm. So having a game like this, that is less about the, the random killings uh, <laughs> to gain loot. Uh, you know, it, it's like D and D sometimes and, and not just calling out D and D, but other games can almost you know, it's not that far of a stretch from those types of games to a Grand Theft Auto or something where, you know, you get rewarded specifically for doing bad things. Yeah. Um, unless you have a whole party of lawful good guys. <laughs> and we all know what kind of buzz kills they can be. Yeah. <laughs> and we all know how often that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is... Not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, never. Or, 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 as I've come to learn, gets uh, gets pushed out of the group rather quickly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's not go back and revisit that. Because, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> there's, I could argue with you on that point, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, no, yeah, no. I, 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 it was choice. You're right. It was absolutely choice. But, anyways, <laughs> uh, we're getting into uh, behind the scenes stuff. And now, for sure. and now we'll a glimpse into the deep, dark yes. chasm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> We've Roll all had scenarios past. where we thought, hey, 
wouldn't it be cool to play this type of character? And then as you get into the game that you're a little behind on, you realize, oh, they're playing a Guy Ritchie movie. Um, <laughs> you know, once you figure that one out, oh, I might not have made the best character choice. So let's write her out and bring something in even darker. Um, so, yeah, anyways, we digress. Uh, we are obviously guys who play together and have fun together. So uh, uh, we certainly do have a lot of these histories. So do we have anything we want to wrap up uh, aside from Numenera is great. Uh, the play works really well because uh, it's very honed on the difficulty uh, levels that makes it easy to figure out what your target is and what you're defending against. And, and the mechanics consistent. It's consistent. It, it frees the GM to do more storytelling and uh, anything else. Anybody else want to add to the summary? One number good, many many numbers bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, it's a good game to play. It really plays well, and you add on to it the Monty's fantastical setting. It, it's uh, it's really a pleasure to uh, to to play, and uh, you know, obviously we we support it. Um, you know, we started this podcast way back when we knew very little about it, but uh we're still in on it because we we care about this game and and you know we certainly enjoy what what Monty and his crew have put into it so uh i think it's kicking it forward time well, we, we have no we have no intro music for such thing <laughs> yeah we we really need to come up with good bombs you need a sound little, effect little kick. kicking oh! yeah yeah <laughs> maybe well. like a soccer kick and then go Yes, that's it. Because they reached their funding goal. <laughs> you like it? Actually, worked quite nice. Yes, uh, I do like that. Actually, well, I think the only ones I have on my radar currently, and and Jim, you probably have a plethora more than I do. Um, a plethora. A plethora. You do have a plethora. Um, Kingdom. Uh, and and Jim, I have. Have you heard of Kingdom? Yes, actually. I haven't looked uh, very deeply into it as of yet. I haven't had a chance, but it looks promising. Yes, it's uh, by the gentleman Ben Robbins, who created Microscope. And uh, it's basically kind of focusing, like, Microscope, you're you're building the world timeline, and this one, you're kind of just focusing on the one little thing. (laughs) Yeah. So it looks very interesting. I I've actually kind of uh, bought into it myself, and I figure oh, I'll get I'll I'll get the PDF of that thing, and let's let's see what it's like. Because he also talks about how you could even use it to build kingdoms uh, to use in in your other games. So it might be yeah, kind of interesting yeah, totally. to sit down, create a kingdom, and then say, okay, here's this is going to be part of our X game. You know, and then you build another one, and you build your world, and then you actually play in that world. Maybe sounds kind of neat. Very cool. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Another one that I've uh, I've bought into is Mechton Zero. I've often been a huge fan of big robots that shoot each other, and uh, Mechton is really kind of the game. If if you're into that, then that's probably the game you should be playing. I mean, BattleTech and all that kind of stuff is fun, but if you're wanting to play like anime. Uh, and, you know, I might say it's Robotech, how Robotech should be played, <laughs> where, you know, Palladium is okay. It's not a horrible system, but uh, getting through a lot of their things just uh, was really rough for me. Mekton, it just kind of made a lot more sense. <laughs> and, you know, coming from a Cyberpunk 2020 guy, I love Cyberpunk 2020. 
It's done by the same gentleman, um, the Artelosaurian Games, and uh, you just you know, it's I, I'm I'm in, I'm in. Mike cool. Pondsmith, you've got my cash. Cool. <laughs> um, another one that I've kind of uh, decided, and this is along the theme of anime. It's uh, Ova, the anime role playing game. Never played it before, but you know, hey, it's doing quite well. It's got seven days to go. Um, uh, the stuff that they have put together and been delivering just look beautiful. I mean, the art's fantastic. Uh, the the game system that they've been showing seems like it would be really easy and nice, um, and would represent the genre very well. Um, then let's see. There's and I, and I don't know. I can't get my head around this one. And and Jim, you'll probably have a lot to say about it. The huh? Chubo's marvelous wish granting engine. Okay, what? that I have not seen. You haven't seen huh? that one. I, yeah. I, 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 it looks so interesting. I want to know more about it, and I haven't had enough time to actually read the whole thing. But um, it's it's. And here's the description: the Chubos Marvelous Wish Granting Engine RPG is a progressive, warm-hearted, diceless game for both adventure and slice of life play. Oh, ah, interesting. Okay. And and it looks interesting. Um. I I, I want to know more about it, and I, I need to. Uh, I haven't had enough time to really, you know. I discovered it not too long ago, and I just haven't had a whole lot of time to actually read through. They've got a lot of information, um, so I'm interested. Well, I've gone ahead and put it on my reminder list, oh, and uh, so I'll uh, I'll be taking a look at it at some point. But that looks uh, that looks interesting. Off the, and it's diceless. It's diceless. Yeah. So, well, yeah, there's that too. So, of course, that immediately draws my attention. Mm-hmm. Having been a long fan of Amber Diceless, I, yeah. uh, I'm I figured, curious about I, I, these things. I would have thought you would have known about this one. Um, uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and now you do. Very good. Oh. Well, I'll pipe wow. in. Um, obviously, Torment Tides of Numer is over. Uh, it ended uh, April 5th, um, just after we had our last uh, uh, podcast. And they ended up pulling in over $4 million. So, yeah. brilliant, awesome. Yeah. We bit more than they asked for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I think it's it's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, it's it's built for it's going to be built for Linux and Mac and Windows. So um, it's Unity Engine, which um, I think the new games with the Unity Engine are starting to come out. I just saw uh, Jagged Alliance Online, which I think was a Kickstarter as well, has been uh, released um, on the Unity Engine, and I think. Uh, Project Eternity is Unity Engine and all that. So, anyways, um, certainly awesome, awesome for you know Colin, who we spoke to, and Monty Cook, um, who who you know as the creator of Numenera uh, has a definitely a big stake in the game. So, um, I did see some people recently saying, well, "Hey, if we start reading the the Numenera RPG that we're now aware of because of this computer game, is it going to ruin the computer game?" And, and the <laughs> answer back too. was. Was no, no, they're, they're, you know, that we, they specifically have set the, the video game in a kind of a section of Numenera that they're not really speaking to yet. So, um, it's definitely, uh, it'll help. I think it'll help bring you into what some of the concepts of the settings are and, and won't spoil the game in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I, I think since, uh, uh, Shanna and Monty are working with them closely, I think, I think that that'll help that. Too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I pledged to get it and, uh, so I, I cannot wait. As I'm trying to remember. I. Did they end up adding a source book as a as a stretch goal? 
I can't remember if they did or not. That rings a bell. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they actually had a source. I know they had a book about. Um, right. Let's see. Achieved the Luminous Codex. Yeah. Achieved. No, I don't remember. I, th- I remember us talking about it and mm-hmm. suggesting it, and and there was kind of some whatever. But I don't remember if they actually did that or not. But um, anyway, uh, there's tons of writers on it. Uh, amazing people. Yeah. You know, Patrick Rothfuss and all sorts of different amazing writers involved in it. Of course, Monty. And and Shanna, Shanna's doing a, um, a, a short story or, or a short piece of fiction for it um, in support of it. So pretty pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, they got a lot of stuff on here. Yeah, yeah. The the um, other ones that is over that I I spent an um, embarrassing amount of money on was the the Robotech Tactics one, um, which Eric pointed me to and didn't pledge himself. <laughs> well, basically, because he knew I would buy it. I knew you would buy it, but I just knew that <laughs> it's like I just don't have that much time. I wish I had that much more time to to actually play, sit down and play one of those games. I, I love them, I do, but oof, man. Well, and my hope is definitely that you know we can use the minis for an oh, actual yeah. role playing oh, yeah. RPG, and and for that, I mean, I'm still hanging on to my hero clicks. Because hey, they're great minis for uh, Marvel heroic role playing, you know, which mm. doesn't really need minis, but it helps. It's yeah, nice. it may as well. It, yeah. it won't do. Can't cannot hurt. It's always good to have a physical representation. You don't. You're not necessarily using them for a grid or anything like that. Right. It's just nice to have. Yeah, yeah. So um, the one somebody told me about yesterday that I had never heard of was called Cthulhu Wars. Have you guys heard about this one? I've actually looked at it. It's a Sandy Peterson game. He's apparently uh, oh. one of the uh, original uh, uh, designer of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. But the concept is pretty cool. So the great old ones have returned to claim the ruins of Earth, and you are one of them. They've got... Uh, okay. Yeah, they've got uh, teams of Great Cthulhu, Crawling Chaos, Yellow Sign, and Black Goat. And these are the the essentially elder teams that are here to battle over the remains of the earth that they're coming to claim and you fight amongst yourselves and wow it looks really cool that's a heck of a turnaround from the usual yeah yeah it's definitely uh uh, the the person who told me about it was very uh, enthusiastic about it and Sold me. I'm, I'm. I've always been borderline Cthulhu interested. I, I like the concepts, and I've read some of the original. You've been Cthulhu books. curious. Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. I, I've advertised on Craigslist that way too. Um, and uh, well, you can get things with tentacles that way, certainly. Yes, certainly, certainly. Um, what, what's that called? Uh, Cthulhu Wars. Okay. Um, check that out. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, pretty crazy. It's, it's a. It's a big. It's a miniature. Type. It's got some really gorgeous miniatures with it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Um, some really scary looking ones. <laughs> scary oh, yeah. looking ones too. Oh, yeah, which is fantastic. Yeah, there it is. It looks looks pretty crazy. But awesome. uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how that they've, one does. they've more than made their goal as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. And they've got they've got almost a month left to go. Yeah. So nice. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be funded and well done and. It looks like they're adding lots of good stuff on here. So anyway, that I think was it for me. Okay. Um, well, I've got a few things I can mention. Please. Um, uh, talking about recent history, there was a – I mentioned Amber Diceless earlier. Uh, Lords of Gossamer and Shadow uh, was a Kickstarter that uh, – it ended. It ended on uh, May 15th. 
uh, but they did really well. And that is essentially a, uh, a spiritual successor to Amber Diceless role-playing. It uses essentially the same rules, but it's, uh, I think, a little more concept-friendly. Uh, a thing where basically you can you can warp reality, but be from anywhere. So uh, any kind of reality, I think it's uh, going to come out really well. Um, I I, uh, I read through the preview of it, and uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to be looking very much forward to looking at it. And uh, they've got uh, they've got some guest authors coming in and writing worlds for them, like uh, Matt Forbeck, for example. Oh. Um, who's worked on everything um, is uh, is uh, writing one of uh, one of the Gossamer worlds for it, oh. and uh, Cam Banks, uh, who uh, does a lot of stuff for uh, Margaret Weiss Productions uh-huh. in particular, is uh, doing uh, is doing a PDF supplement, oh, and uh, it's uh, yeah, this is looking like it's going to be pretty cool. So I am uh, very much looking forward to that when that comes out, and so the Kickstarter is over, but folks should check it out if they're interested in. Uh, the possibilities of diceless role playing and playing with characters of great power. Um, something that's going on that's uh, only it's uh, it, it may be uh, gone by the time that uh, you folks listening out there hear this possibly, but uh, as of this recording, it's got just a few days to go. Um, there's a couple of fate things basically. This uh, one is the Ministry Initiative, mm-hmm. uh, steampunk role playing in fiction. Um, it's based on the. Uh, the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, novels and podcasts by uh, some folks that I kind of know, um, some, some, uh, some of my Twitter, Twitter pals, um, uh, T. Morris and Philippa Ballantyne, um, who are both very good authors in their own right. And they, they've also released some podcast novels and they've released uh, podcast uh, short stories um, on audio for the, uh, for the ministry and a couple of novels for it as well. And uh, so the world is pretty cool, and uh, it's just basically, uh, you know, British intelligence, uh, you know, going after strange things in the world with their amazing devices. And uh, so it's a a very cool thing, and that's going to be a fate setting that they're looking at trying to get the funding for. And so I urge folks to check that that out. Um, Just a few other things that I was looking across. Uh, There's apparently a... uh, a another fate thing that someone's trying to put out called another fate setting someone's trying to put out called Time Heroes, <laughs> which is uh, essentially comedic adventures with Time Heroes Incorporated. Uh, it's a be a cyborg, a plumber, or even Beethoven, and stop Morgan Le Fay's plan for world domination. Uh, essentially, sort of like a uh, basically uh, it's a time travel adventure stuff, but done in a very cartoony fashion. Sounds like and, something uh, you could use inspectors for. <laughs> yeah, you, you know that's not a bad idea. Actually, I need to think about it. Some someone is actually making a uh, a, uh, a basically a Hunter S. Thompson inspired version of Inspectors, uh, basically for uh, the the, the Gonzo journalism version of it. And, uh, so hopefully that'll come. I think that's going to be called Gonzo when that comes out. But uh, cool. but yeah, yeah, you could use it for a lot of things. But yeah, that's a, this one is for Fate and uh, looks amusing. Um, the uh, the Battle for Oz is oh. a Kickstarter that is coming out for Savage Worlds. It's the uses the Savage Worlds rules, and it's uh, basically it's a plot point campaign and a setting for the award winning Savage Worlds RPG, uh-huh. based in a modernized version of L. Frank Baum's Land of Oz. Oh. 
And so you basically get to play these character uh, characters from the Land of Oz. And looking at the art uh, as I scroll down this Kickstarter, it looks pretty dark. <laughs> you, you have to love the Tin Man in, in yeah. that image. <laughs> like, oh yeah, so the Tin Man is. <laughs> Is he carrying a, a a rifle? He has like a rifle and an axe <laughs> hand. I mean, yeah, he does. He does. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Doesn't crazy. look like he needs the heart anymore. He's lost it. <laughs> yeah. so this looks kind of almost like uh, they 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 took the land of Oz and they they gave it the American McGee treatment, um, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And so, hmm. <laughs> uh, I take from the tone of your uh, your sigh that that is not something of which you approve, sir. Yeah, I mean, to each their own. To each their own. I, I think that uh, some classic stuff like Oz and I'm trying to think what there was another one that that's really always appealed to me. But what's been done in the setting and the characters are so cool that you could do a lot with it as it is. You don't need to mm-hmm. warp it so bad. But you know, uh, people no, enjoy. It. Yeah, you don't I, have no to judge. Have- I, I figure they've got they've got Alice in Wonderlands for Savage Worlds, don't they? Yes, uh, there they, is a setting called Oz. Wonderland No More. Yeah, um, yeah, that does kind of the same thing. Yeah, uh, if if I if I'm uh, recalling, I don't think it says extreme. Right, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that that though is the cool thing about these worlds is that yeah. you can do anything with them. Absolutely. And sure. so I think that this particular iteration does have promise. No, oh, I. Um, looks, they have a lot behind it, and I think that uh, this one actually could be pretty cool. And so if you're into that kind of thing, uh, yeah. Battle for Oz is something you might want to look at. And finally, there is they are doing a new version of the Mind's Eye Theater rules for Vampire the Masquerade. Um, the question so is, is for, your picture going to be in it, Jim? Uh, probably will not be in that one, no. Um, then I don't know. <laughs> I, I know. It's, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to talk to them and see. No, it's... Uh, uh, for for those who may be wondering what's going on there, yes, as it happens, I strangely enough, I appear in the core Mind's Eye Theater book uh, that is currently out for the New World of Darkness. There's a there's Jim a picture is of me everywhere. In there. Um, <laughs> so, I lived in Atlanta at the time. I was LARPing at the time, and the mm-hmm. they, photographer came by, took our picture. Um, but uh, this is for the old World of Darkness, but they're doing a new updated. Thing for it for folks who want to do the live action version. That's good. Cool. Um, and uh, looks like they are also. I believe they're also, you know, updating and uh, renovating the rules for it, which is always nice. Um, and so, if you're uh, into that, then then check that out as well. That is actually already met its uh, its goal and has the better part of a month to go. But uh, yeah, something that uh, you might want to check into if you haven't heard about it. You have kind of one more since we mentioned a board game. I figure I would toss this one out there too. Uh, it's sure. called Goblins Alternate Realities. Hmm. There's, there's a there's a, a web comic called Goblins, mm-hmm. and uh, they're kind of basing this. It's like a uh, I believe it's a card game, and it, it looks it looks really cool. cool. <laughs> I just, uh, the fact that they've got a card that's called Thaco just makes me laugh. <laughs> nice, nice. So you, so you should look that one up. It's definitely one to take a look at. And it's actually, the, the, to buy in, it's actually a pretty good price. I mean, yeah. $37 gets you the core. Well, so Thaco is what the next apocalypse is going to be fought over. So I, oh, yeah, Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, they, 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 they may be onto something here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. That's all, all right, I've got well, for kicking it well, forward. Kicking it forward. And, and for those who are new listeners... You know, the reason we do this is, you know, obviously Numenera was very successful because of 
the Kickstarter launch. And, and so we kind of feel like, Hey, we love Newman era and we want to share the love of Newman era, but we're also interested in Kickstarters as well. And, and what a great way to help support other games to potentially be successful like Newman era. You know, I think, uh, was it exalted just beat Newman era's goal. And, and, you know, there's a lot of talk that it, it's not, uh, it, it's because there's been more and more attention brought to Kickstarter and, you know, but, <coughs> I don't think it's a negative thing that uh, that Numenera's record was beaten. Uh, I think that hopefully this means that there'll be more and more role-playing games that get uh, the recognition they should now. Oh, definitely. And, and Kickstarter's a great way for a, a company to bring something new to the market because in many ways you're pre-selling the, the, you know, the, the content that you're selling. So good stuff. Yeah, totally. Good stuff. So uh, any closing remarks, guys? Don't got nothing here. How much? No. Well, I mean, also Kickstarter, as you mentioned, it's something that a lot of folks met, tend to talk about is that, that it's a way to gauge audience interest. Yes. And so that uh, that also is is big. And, you know, we're basically going back to the patronage system in a way, which is uh, something that's been around for a very long time. And you can mm-hmm. actually now directly get stuff from the creators instead of going through middlemen. And that's also helpful. Very, very good. The power of the internet. Um, yes. Okay. So, um, well, thank you all for, for listening to us um, today. I hope it was insightful for Numenera. I hope you maybe heard a new Kickstarter thing that, that piqued your interest. And um, continue to tune in to us. We hope to have another episode um, much sooner than we had the, the last one, this this gap. But um, we're getting closer to the release of Numenera, and, and uh, the excitement is building. Um, and definitely uh, – hopefully have a, another at least another one or maybe two before the uh Gen Con but I definitely am planning on taking some recording devices there to um potentially get some interviews that we can use for future episodes past that or maybe a Gen Con special we'll, we'll figure that one out cool. but um I hope uh, everybody uh, stays tuned uh, don't forget ninthworldhub.com is the uh number one fan site for Numenera uh, probably the maybe one of the only ones but um Definitely check in on there. We also have a Numenera fans community on Google+. Um, not as active. The Ninth World Hub is definitely a, a booming place now. We've got over 180 people, and Monty and Chana just re-mentioned it recently. So um, got a bunch new coming in. And uh, that's a place where you can find about that uh, fan gathering at Gen Con. If you, if you hadn't already, you can um, kind of put in that you're coming just – It'd be helpful to, to have a head count going into this uh, thing. And, you know, obviously if uh, you don't, you know, RSVP there, you can certainly talk to us at the, at the booth and, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely add your head to the count. Um, but uh, that's going to be, you're collecting yes. heads. Yes, yes, we are. We are. <laughs> that is an awesome booth. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, it's a, uh, it's Gen Con. What do you expect? Oh, that's um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, keep keep listening and uh, check out ninthworldhub.com and of course you know Monty Cook Games and Numenera.com are the the official sources so don't hesitate to go to them before anybody anybody else but um, uh, we try to repeat everything that's held there and sometimes get uh, uh, upfront information in fact um, we've been hinted at a potential exclusive uh, on Ninth World Hub um, we'll see uh, we'll see what comes through and uh, if you have any questions uh, drop us line with our emails and um, respond on our blog that carries us uh, feed and uh, we look forward to talking to you again and I hope you tune in next time
The Transmissions from the Ninth World podcast is not affiliated with Monty Cook Games. It has been produced under the Creative Commons license and is for entertainment and information purposes only. Music provided by Kevin McLeod. Transmissions from the Ninth World is a proud affiliate of the D20 Radio Group.